everybody, this is Townsend. Thank you so much for tuning in. The goal of this podcast is to cover a vast variety of topics regarding mental health, struggles, share people's stories, and hopefully remind you that you're not alone. I hope you enjoy. I'm so excited. So tonight we're going to be joined by Maggie Adams. We're going to be talking about postpartum depression. So this is a super vulnerable topic, one that I'm just so impressed she's brave enough to talk about it, to come forward, to share with you guys. So I would love if you guys showed some support, some love, asked some questions. All right, let's see if we can get at, get Maggie on here. So let's introduce yourself. Who is Maggie Adams? What, what, like, why do we have you on here? What's going on? Um, well, I'll family we live in Benton here like you said good friends like Townsend you and I know each other through Casey um just small world um but again have family have two daughters uh Faith is almost five and Ella just turned one um I do marketing full-time do embroidery on the side (laughs) this is like my only quiet room Um, but yeah I'm just me um again i try to be i've tried to be really transparent about postpartum stuff since it happened um to me years ago and um i say i do marketing full-time but i should include with that health company for you let's talk about what is postpartum depression so especially males i feel like they have no idea what that is and then other people think depression like yeah sure we all get the baby blues things like that after pregnancy but explain kind of what is postpartum depression how would you right yeah and I'm not a doctor or I I don't know the textbook definition but like you said those baby blues that's that's like a, a common thing I mean you have your baby you're exhausted you're physically mentally everything is just drained it's so common to feel I mean you're not yourself your hormones there's so much that goes into childbirth and after and especially with the first baby um you give birth at the hospital and then they're like here go home with this (laughs) child that it's just so weird probably isn't a good word to use but that it is it's weird um and you're full of love but you're also freaked out and feel like you don't know what you're doing and it's just easy to not feel normal but with like postpartum depression and anxiety that is something that continues on past that beginning time frame and if I recall I think textbook wise they say beyond the first two weeks. Um, I believe that's what it says. I don't know the stats on it all, but um, it's, it can present itself in so many different ways for everyone, but um, kind of the common stuff is just, um, I think for me, hopelessness is like the best way to describe it. And then the common signs of just normal depression um, mixed in with that, whether that be extreme fatigue, like you have no drive to do anything, yet you have this newborn baby to care for that as a mom, you love like with a love that's like, there's no way to describe it, but yet you just feel like 
you don't know what to do and you feel like you can't do it. Sure, absolutely. What's crazy is hearing you say that I don't have children. And so I think that sounds so normal. If you handed me a baby and you're like, luck, I'd be like, what the? <laughs> I, would, yeah. I would totally feel all those things because it's a culture shock. They send you home with this human and they're like, take care of it for 18 years at least. Good luck. Here's or, I mean, it even starts at the hospital because what was, I don't know when they stopped it, but like, didn't they used to go to a nursery yeah. in the hospital? I honestly cannot imagine having it be like that and then them hand you your baby to go home like thank goodness it is not that way anymore because that would really just it would have sent me <laughs> over that <laughs> yeah hard so my granddad was a pediatrician he worked with babies he loved mothers and kids that was his passion and i remember growing up as small as i could be I remember him discussing how the hardest job any human could ever have would be motherhood. And he knew he studied all of these things before they were really put in the spotlight. And postpartum depression was one of those things. And he just understood a lot more than I feel like the average human, less the average male, because again, they don't suffer with that now. So let me give you the textbook definition. So for the watching baby blues, after you have a baby, this is super common. Most people get a baby and like uh, Maggie said, you come home, you're fatigued, you don't know what to do, you're overwhelmed, you've got this brand new potato, it looks like, and you're supposed to keep it alive. And uh, that usually lasts a couple days to a couple of weeks. Now this is super common. Everybody has this or majority of people have it, I should say. And then when it becomes a concern is when it turns into severe depression that lasts a little bit longer. So after you get to that two or three week mark, if that depression is severe, and like Maggie said, it's more uh, hopelessness, it's more extreme, maybe affecting how you take care of yourself or your baby. And so now that I'm older, I think about those stories about the moms you know, doing crazy things with their babies. And I think they just had postpartum depression and they didn't know how to label it then, you know? Yeah. And, and sadly it even goes deeper and thank goodness this is more rare, but there's also postpartum psychosis and so much more that can even occur, which is so important to just know your body, but even better than that, like whether it's your spouse, significant other family member, friends, like have somebody that, that knows you well enough to watch for the signs if you can't yourself. Yeah, it's hard to know because I feel yeah. like I'm always tired, so it's hard to know when it gets to that point mm -hmm. where you're really not taking care of yourself well or the newborn baby you just brought in. Now, we joked about yeah. males getting it, but there's actually a study that said males can have paternal postpartum depression, but it's pretty rare. Um, and it's just kind of where they get overwhelmed and they suffer with a lot because of the lifestyle change which absolutely I can see that that just seems so normal to me it's such a big change in life um so for you you talked about your first child for sure did you and you have two kids mm-hmm yeah did, did you suffer with this with both births or just the first one were you expecting it with number two well, um, so the first one I was when I definitely suffered it and was completely unaware going into it. Um, my 
it's crazy. It's been almost five years. So I like have to sit here and think back on it. And I'll be honest too. I feel like I afterwards and I got to the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I feel like I dealt with some trauma. Um, looking back on it, I wanted more than one child, but like waited for so long because I was fearful. But going back to that in the beginning with her, I am type A all the way. I always have a plan. I've got, I mean, it, if it's not laid out, then I am typically anxiety prone. And I, I mean, that's just who I am. And I should have like seen um, those kind of signs and known to maybe watch for things just because again, I no, I'm not clinical, but I worked in the mental health field, knew what it was, but just thought that's not going to happen to me. Like, that, like, even though you can see the stats, you're like, no, we'll be fine. It's my first baby. Like I'm having a baby. This is exciting. All of the things, everything was prepped. Like couldn't have needed anything else. Um, and I'll add to that too, that she was perfectly healthy. I cannot imagine and my heart goes out to the mothers that deal with postpartum depression, anxiety with babies that are struggling or unhealthy or in the NICU, all the things I just, that just brings a whole nother element. But, um, so the one thing I remember looking back when I was probably about seven months pregnant, my boss at the time that she's not my boss now, but I still work with her. And, um, she mentioned it to me like just I can't remember how she said it but just kind of casually like in the best way just made a comment about just make sure you watch for any signs or I don't know I wish I could remember what she said but it stuck with me and um but at the time I didn't really take it as anything and so we have faith um I'll say the one thing that maybe two things I should say could have been, I guess, a trigger per se for me was um, I was unable to breastfeed. And as a new mom, that was something that I didn't really prep myself for looking back because that that's a whole nother discussion and topic that is dear to my heart because like, I mean, it's just not gonna work for some people. And that's in a story, like it just, for so many reasons, um, again, I could go into it and it's not that you're a bad mom, fed is best, um, but people have so many opinions and the stigma around that alone can get you. And it did with me. It just ate me up. Um, looking back on it, I have some health things that probably contributed to it. So I was in a better place with the second child. I knew kind of what could happen um, and was open to either way. But uh, so all that being said, that kind of added to it. Um, I had some quite a few physical issues to get over like after delivery. And so I was in a lot of pain uh, more than normal. But again, like we get home and things just went on. Jacob, my husband had to go back to work almost right away. So at first, like you said, it was baby blues. It felt kind of just like, you know, this is what you're supposed to feel like. You're exhausted and you're just trying to figure it out. But then 
it was probably about a month into it when things still felt the same. And I'll use the word hopelessness again, because that is the best way I just felt. So like every morning when he would leave for work, I just like, uh, like my heart would be racing. I couldn't, felt like there was no way that I would be able to stay home with faith and make it through another day. Um, thankfully, I didn't have any kind of suicidal thoughts, anything like that, but that is something that can occur too, um, and it's really important to talk about, but I just felt like I wouldn't be able to care for her um, or that something could happen. I, it was just the strange, not normal feelings, um, and I remember one day I had her like kind of propped up in my lap and I have a picture of her that I took in that moment and she's smiling. I'm pretty sure it was like a gassy smiley, but you know, first mom, you're like her first smile. And <laughs> I took that picture and then as happy as I felt that I got a picture of her smiling, I instantly felt just like doom and gloom. And that's when I remember it hitting me and I, texted and called my doctor and um thankfully they were so proactive i think all i literally said was i don't something's not right i don't feel right and they they it was either that afternoon or the next day it was really quick had me in um and at the time jacob my husband he did not understand that side of things um, not his fault at all. He's never experienced that. And he's a banker. He doesn't work in any sort of healthcare. Um, why should he understand it? Um, so that was tough too, because I felt like he loved me, but he, he wasn't there the way I needed and I couldn't explain it. And he, he was struggling too, because he can't just like, you know, patch it up, fix it, like there's nothing. Um, so went in, my doctor had me come in with him and it's explained it to him and like a football game. I, I don't know how he explained it. I remember sitting there and it, like, it was fascinating. I wish I could remember it so I could explain it to men. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the males would benefit from that story. Well, I feel like yes. The female body is so complex. Like we have all these hormones and estrogen, and then you have a baby, and everything gets so out of whack. And again, right. like the typical male reproductive parts, they're not going to have that experience. You right. know, it's a lot right. different. So I feel bad for husbands. He sees you struggling, and he thinks it's yeah. okay. What's wrong? Like it's okay. We're gonna take care of the baby, but and it's important. I, I'm not a crier. <laughs> I will cry if you make me extremely mad. And that's about it. And that I cried so much. I just know it just threw him off too. And so it was just a rough combination. Um, but so I, I got on some medicine after seeing the doctor. Um, and, and then fast forward a week, that medicine um, wasn't working and they were able to do it. Um, but I remember them assuring me, you know, there's going to be something and you probably won't have to take this forever. Cause that was another thing in my head too. Like, am I going to be messed up for life? Like, you know, you have all sorts of things go through your head and, um, 
so luckily it was was good and I remember when the medicine started working and I could feel the fog lifted and I was able to reason better and do different things and then from there I was able to kind of figure out a plan and each day just got better and better um and that's when I kind of became so proactive with it and and did several news stories and throughout different things stuff would get brought up um, but with my second, so she just turned a year, um, as I mentioned, I had really feel like I had some trauma going back to it. And I was just like, I mean, TMI, but like to Jacob, I was like, I'm not getting off this birth control anytime soon. It's not happening, not happening. <laughs> yeah. How did you, how did you come to the point? So for me, like, let's say something makes me super anxious. I, it's not even that I want to avoid it, but like my nerves make me avoid it. So how did you get to the point where you were comfortable enough to try again after all that going on? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's probably a bunch of things combined with it, but I think it was the first news story that I yeah. did. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly when it was. But Faith was, oh gosh, I'm probably going to get this wrong. I mean, she was for sure over, oh, I'm trying to remember. I know we were in this house. She was like two, two and a half years old, um, probably two or so, because we were in this house by now. I'm trying to remember. But so it was a good bit of time. And um, Aaron, Holly that um, she used to be with KATV and she did it's called mom check seven or once a month it was and I wish they still did it. it was amazing and she would focus a story once a month around postpartum depression um, with a different mom and my same boss at the, at the time I was not at youth home anymore I went back to them now and I'll never leave <laughs> yeah. but um we we kept in touch and she saw one of those news stories and I think at the end Aaron had said you know if if you yourself or you know a mom that has experienced this like email such and such and reach out if you want to share your story and so Peggy reached out to me um past boss and said hey um I thought you might be interested in this um if you wanted to here's what you would email or such and such and so it came about like that and I reached out and and so Aaron did want to do a story and I remember like shaking being so scared and just not really afraid to talk about it because I mean most everybody around me that knew me had like knew knew what I went through but just like the vulnerability of sharing it um and so I remember when she came to the house and she asked if Faith could be here with oh. me and they record her um and we did it and then after it aired just the overwhelming amount of people that reached out and even facebook messages and things people that i did not know um it just kind of changed everything on how not really how i viewed it but just feeling so happy that i opened up about it but i remember telling it might have been casey that i told that afterwards like i just 
I don't know, I felt like being able to talk about it and share with the world almost, it just kind of healed what little bit was left in my heart. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to You're Not Alone with Townsend. If you're enjoying these live streams and podcasts and want to see them continue, head over to patreon.com slash townsendtmusic. Your support means that the research and time and effort that goes into each one of these episodes can continue and we can reach out to more guests and do more awesome things in 2022. All right, back to the conversation. And so after that, I felt like, okay, I can do this or, or I know what to expect and I know myself well enough now how I can prep. And so, um, we, when we got pregnant with Ella, she actually what didn't end up being planned. She was, but she was a surprise at the time. Surprise, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I right away told my doctor kind of, I was at a different, I was at a different clinic then. And so I told them everything that happened and they were great from day one, kind of creating a plan and what we would do and this and that. And so it was just very different with her. Um, however, I think had I not done that, even with being so proactive, um, she ended up being born in the middle of COVID, um, probably during thinking back one of the worst spikes in our area month wise. And I don't know if I would have dealt with the depression, um, or not, but um, I had gotten on some medication just to be safe after her birth that I was able to taper off of. But looking back on it, I remember telling Jacob that I feel like maybe I would have ended up dealing with it in a different sense because I felt so locked up in a sense because I didn't right away take her around or have a ton of people at the house. It was just a totally different deal than when Faith was born and it was a different kind of loneliness. Um, so we could have easily, I don't know, but again, it's just knowing your body and how you are and your, your family, your spouse, whoever, like them knowing what to watch for and just being open about it all. Sure. I want to point out a couple of things. One, I love that you said, now that you've talked about it, you feel like kind of a fog is lifted. You feel more comfortable with it. And I just want to point out, that's why I do these live streams and these interviews, because every person that I have spoken with has that feeling. And this might be the first time they've spoken with it. Like, for example, a live stream or two ago, I spoke with someone that uh, had lived through a suicide attempt and talking about it made her feel so open and we had people reach out about it so it's so cool that you've up about it too I want to know did you reach out to therapy or anything did you talk to anyone about it other than friends and family or did you just rely on like medications from your doctor um more friends and family and medications however I'm a huge advocate for therapy um, I think the only reason I didn't do it was because we don't have a whole lot of family and extra support nearby. So trying to figure out things like that um, was harder to fit in. However, now at now telehealth is so like that is one positive, if the only one I feel like from COVID that um, 
telehealth rules as far as insurance and things like loosened up and that's that's just easy to do now um so nobody has an excuse not to seek out therapy because you can do it right here like this on your phone now <laughs> they've made it they're, they're trying to make it a little bit more affordable where insurance is absolutely i've heard like the um i won't say their name because of legality reasons but some of the internet ones where you can do face to face they do like six months free or something like that and then they refer you out so there's really no reason that we can't reach out for help for sure. yeah absolutely okay. i want i also want to dig in you said that um family members and friends should just kind of know what to look for if you were to say like some signs or symptoms to be aware for for a mother that just had a kid what would some of those look like um again going past those first few weeks um of kind of baby blues and normal adjustment to a newborn um just i mean i'll use the example if, if you have a girlfriend that is quick to text answer your call and then next thing you know you're not really hearing back from them as quick just i mean that seems little but if you know that person well enough they're just kind of shutting down um as a spouse or significant other um a lot of times you might lash out at the person you love the most um things like that that are more than normal um again extreme fatigue um if you see them just like they have no drive to get up out of bed um or lack of eating um just the again new moms i mean you're pretty much going to be in sweats and your hair all up and but if you can i mean you can just tell when somebody is just not keeping up with themselves quite the same um there's so many things, but again, I think if you know that person, you kind of know what is their norm and what is not. But I think the biggest part to it is not being afraid to say something or ask them if they're okay. Like everyone is so quick to ask about the baby and everything. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Like they're, but at the same time, like, they don't always just sit there and say well how are you doing or the same with the dad um and then like i mentioned before things with breastfeeding if you if it's a girlfriend that's talking to you about their struggles or they're asking you um did you do this how much did you feed with this kid and they just seem overly um i guess obsessive about it or so concerned and that doesn't kind of let up um that could be that could be something because um i'm pretty sure on the list of common um triggers and stuff breastfeeding is actually listed as one um, breastfeeding struggles and i think that is a huge thing um because like what i said earlier the stigma around that yeah well i feel like there's so much again i'm not a mother so i'm just kind of talking about things i've read things i've experienced through friends and what i can just like only imagine because again we are female our bodies are so complex already so to add all this so i can't imagine adding more like not being able to adding that to the already stressors that you have of a newborn i do want to say something that i found super interesting 
So I was trying to do a little research, which I do before every live stream, because I want to learn about it. That's the point of these is I want to educate myself. I want to bring awareness to everyone else. And I found a crazy statistic. So I said that 65% of women in Asia suffer from postpartum depression. 65%. That's a huge percent. It's a little bit lower here, um, but the statistics, it's kind of one of those things not everybody will check that box. So we don't know 100% what the statistics are as far as who really suffers from it and doesn't ever come in and who doesn't. Um, they said that around 80% of American women will have some kind of mood disturbances after giving birth. So majority, eight out of 10 women, I would even guess 10 out of 10, like let's be honest, you're gonna have a mood swing, a mood change, because there's just a lot going on with your body for sure. Um, I also love that you pointed out to check in on the moms. One thing that I'm huge and I've gotten really big about, and again, kind of why I started the Not Alone Project was I went through a time super dark. I feel like people are afraid to break the ice, right? Like they see you down and they think, oh, that's normal. I don't want to. I don't want to offend. Yeah. She, I don't want to be like, say something that might make it worse. I don't want to offend her. Like you said, great wording. And so they just don't say, they don't check on you. They just continue to act normal. And most people say, if you want to talk, you'll come to me. Yeah. That's not the case, right? No. I yeah. mean, I feel like we talk because people sit down and they ask, okay, hey, how are you really? And those are the friends that really get somewhere with helping. So I really am a big advocate for breaking the ice. Like just be blunt, be upfront. It might be awkward at first, but I feel like that's how we make a change for sure. Do you feel like that would be a good way to go about? Like obviously not harsh, but it just how are you really? Yes. And I mean, everybody has a friend that can be <laughs> harsh and it doesn't matter what they say. <laughs> but I, I mean, you just, yeah, you can't be afraid to ask. I mean, they they even say that in teaching about um, suicide prevention awareness. Like, you have to ask those hard questions um, because that could be the one thing that brings it out and you're able to talk about it then. You just yeah. never know. When I think about, I have heard so many people, the reason I bring it up, so many people from this channel have said, you know, I just think people will come to me if they want to talk. Well, you say suicide. In my head, I think who's going to knock on your door? Be like, hey, we haven't spoken in a while. I'm thinking about, I'm contemplating suicide. Like, I feel like no one's going to do that. And so yeah. I feel like our job as human beings, as being connectors and like trying to live this tough life together, we've got to check in on each other. I feel like that's our job. Mm -hmm. Again, let's kind of wrap it up. What what advice would you give loved ones of those struggling? So we touched on a few things, but what are some things you would like conclude with that? Um, oh, there's so much. Just be emotionally available for that person. Check in, ask the hard questions. Um, just really pay attention to the way what you feel like is their norm and what is not, even though their whole life has changed with expanding their family, um, there's still going to be little cues and things you can watch for. Yeah. Do you, and again, we kind of touched on this, the best way to go about it, do you feel like a loved one should be like, hey, I've noticed something's up. 
do you feel like that's a good way to address it or how would you like to be addressed in that moment? Yeah, I mean, everybody's different. I'll, I'll go back to me in the beginning. I was so, <laughs> I even stupidly <laughs> told our family, like, we don't need anybody to come to the house and spend the night and help when we get home. We will be good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, that is how much I thought I had a plan. <laughs> but I did not um, okay so you're you're an a no way Casey I'll use Casey as an example let's do it let's use Casey she is golden um so my my breastfeeding struggles I was not at the time um first few days was not willing to try formula and felt like that was just like I was losing if I was going to go to that, like, oh, I can get this, I can get this. Meanwhile, like, Faith was not getting enough, and I remember telling Casey, and again, at the time, like, not thinking anything was, like, mentally wrong, because it was those first few days, and I was just in a fog, and I don't even remember how I reached out to her, or what I told her, but at the time, we lived in the same subdivision, and, um, Mac, her oldest, is just six months older, and um, Casey says Max is high tea. <laughs> ah, hey, um, so Mac was just six months older, and Casey was breastfeeding him. And again, I don't remember how it occurred, but next thing I know, she's like busted into my house because we would just kind of come and go each other's houses. She busted in my house with like bags of frozen breast milk, and just like put it all, show me what to do. And so I'm a hundred percent sure that Faith survived off of Casey's breast milk the first month. Um, because it took about that long, about the same time that I realized something was wrong was about when I was like, okay, it's okay to go to formula and we'll be good. Um, and so at the time that's what I needed. Like I was not going to be able to just reach out and like ask for something and, um, so again, I just say everybody, everybody is different, but your core group of people know you and they just need to be able to feel like they're not going to hurt your feelings and do what's needed, whether it's asking questions or just stepping in and taking care of something. Yeah, I love that so much. And I think that says a lot for Casey Joe. Your uh Kristen said, Yes, I struggled so much with putting Anna K on formula. Um, I love Casey Joe and I are super close friends from way back when. And that's one thing I love about both her and Jesse. Um, I'm gonna do a little brag about them real quick. But those are the friends Casey Joe's always been willing to just kind of reach out, you know, be like, Hey, how are you? Or if she doesn't, I'm so sorry. Like that I didn't check in, what can I do, blah, blah, blah. She's always there to serve and to kind of read those lines that a lot of people are scared to do. And I think that's just so cool. We need more people like that. And Jesse's the exact same way. He's always been encouraging things and just they're very sensitive to other people's needs. And I feel like that's so important. And I love that she did that. I feel like that speaks of how people should be. Um, I feel like we need to learn from people like that. So that is just too cool. I love it. Um, okay, last thing. 
So let's talk about the anxiety part. So you, you and I chatted a little bit before this and you said one of the most, gosh, I don't even know, one of the most prevalent things, I guess, something that stuck out the most to you was anxiety. So let's chat about that for a little bit. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, again, I don't know the st statistics, but I feel like most people that deal with postpartum depression probably have postpartum anxiety too. But I do know that you can have just the anxiety afterwards um, and not deal with the depression. And that can cause a whole nother slew of issues and it can be debilitating in itself. Um, and so that's just really important to always mention too and kind of watch for with people. Um, I feel like I'm not as up with like the terms on anxiety, but everybody is so different. Um, it could surround caring for the baby. Um, again, feeling like you don't know what you're doing or you're going to not, oh, what's it? Oh, I'll, I'll think of an example. I was so obsessive when Faith was first born, like the first few times she had to get a bath. I was freaking out in my head mentally thinking I've made this bath water too hot or it's too cold that I like overnighted a, and again, this is fine if you do this, but there, like you can think back on it and be like, that wasn't quite um, my normal state of mind. Um, I overnighted one of these like floating bathtub thermometers. And again, <laughs> they make something for everything. And so it calmed me kind of, but I mean, stuff like that with like the care of a newborn. And again, especially if it's your first, I was just over the top on everything. Um, and thankfully had it under control like once I went back to work after 12 weeks things like that um but I feel like there's so many moms that don't like address the issues and things by that point in time and I can't at whole you know you take your baby and drop them off somewhere and then there's a whole nother set of anxiety that comes with that um I'm totally a helicopter mom but <laughs> I don't I don't deal with anxiety now, thank goodness. Um, and I should add to it as well. Like I, I know my faith and everything helped me through stuff, but, and I'm probably not going to say this the right way. So nobody hate me, but <laughs> I think, and we live in the Bible belt. Yes. But I think that there is also a big stigma around postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety thinking I have a strong Christian faith. I can pray myself through this. I don't, there's, I, I don't need to reach out and get any sort of help, whether that's medication or therapy or this or that. Um, and I think that, yes, sometimes maybe that will work. Like I'm not saying it doesn't, but I think you have to really be careful with that. Um, because you may need more. Um, and I have heard that from people, which is why I just thought of it and wanted to say it because I mean, that's, again, we're in the Bible Belt and that's a big deal. Um, and some people don't want to come out about it and get the help. I have sadly heard that a lot. Um, a lot of people think that 
you shouldn't have anxiety or struggles if you're a Christian because right. you believe in will take care of that. And you should rely solely on who you believe in. And I just feel like we are human beings. Um, everyone has a different opinion on it and that's fine. However, it makes me very sad for people to say that because it does discourage people that actually need the help to reach out. Now, I will say not not everybody needs the help of a counselor or medication and they can go and pray they can meet with their christian counselor at church or mentor and they're fine but everybody's a little bit different and i'll give an example so i go to church as well um, and one of the preachers got on stage he was a huge preacher had hundreds and hundreds of people and he said that he was a little bit embarrassed about it but that he had struggled with really really bad anxiety for about a year it came up out of nowhere and he thought he could just pray it away and that it would be okay and he said he had to get help and he had to reach out that it got to that point i just thought it was really cool for the leader of the big new church to get up and address like hey, I'm the leader of this church. Sometimes things are a little more difficult than praying it away. And yeah, I I don't like that. I hate when people do that because it's different for everybody, right? Everybody's story is different. Everyone's symptoms. No one is immune. Yeah. What you should say. And I mean, some people even have like hormonal imbalances or chemical imbalances and they're born that way and they need to be on that medication and because we give that stigma that goes into the whole stigma thing with mental health we we could go for days on that but yes i'm so sorry anyone addressed that with you i hate that that makes me sad oh no i didn't have anyone like say um what should i say i've had people just talk about it like the discussion um it's a pretty common topic like that that's a tough like um a tough gray area per se. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, good. I'm glad nobody addressed you. I would address and go find them. (laughs) (laughs) In Casey Joe, we'd load up the kids and we'd go. I'll I'll just tell them how I feel. (laughs) Or you could do that. Yeah. um, Maggie, is there anything else you feel like people watching or listening need to know? Is there anything else important that you need to share or get off your chest as far as all that goes? Um, no, I'm just so thankful that you do these. Um, I love how you always hit on different topics. It's really important. Well, thank you so much. I Like I said, I was so excited to get to chat with you because I know you, but not super well. I kind of know you through all people and so I was like oh yay we finally get to sit down and chit chat have like a heart to heart I've squeezed her baby a few times um so I love her own she's the cutest little thing um but yeah Ella, like the second one she's kind of like stranger danger so she <laughs> well your first one was like what's up I know, I know. <laughs> yeah she let me carry her forever the day that I saw her so I loved it um it has been more than a pleasure chatting with you thank you so much for talking about a topic that is hard to talk about I mean it's tough everybody has their opinions like you said and I'm just so proud of you for recognizing your needs I'm proud of Jacob for or Jake you know for standing by you for helping you get that help and just you know sticking it out it's hard it's very hard yeah shout out to him because he was like my punching bag and I feel bad sometimes with faith (laughs) yeah that's what that's with any it's going to be with anything and it just like we said earlier I can't imagine watching your loved ones suffer 
and not understanding what's going on. So props to both of you. All right, Maggie, have a good one. Thank you so much for letting me steal her, Jake. <laughs> Thanks, Townsend. We'll see you later. Bye, everybody. If you enjoyed this conversation and are interested in becoming a sponsor, feel free to shoot me an email at townsendtmusic at hotmail.com or shoot me a message on any social media platform at Townsend Team Music for more information. I would love for you to become a member to help spread awareness that you're not alone. If you're looking to buy or sell, I have the perfect realty company for you. Clark & Co. Realty is located in the Benton, Bryant, Arkansas area. And they understand that buying or selling a home is more than just a transaction. It's a life-changing experience. That's why their team of highly seasoned real estate professionals is dedicated to providing exceptional, personalized services for all their clients. They truly take great pride in the relationships they build, and they always work relentlessly on the client's behalf to help them achieve their perfect real estate goals. They always have the client in mind, and I can speak firsthand when I say how reliable, trustworthy, and quick they were. When I was looking to buy my first home, they were there with me every step of the way, answering every question I could think of. They showed me a great amount of knowledge and patience through the process. It's no wonder they've won so many awards for their outstanding services and their excellent relationships with clients. So if you're looking to buy or sell, there is no better option than Clark & Co Realty. Okay, here's the best advice you're gonna get today. If you're driving through Conway, Arkansas, swing by Cross Creek Sandwich Shop. Honestly, talking about this sandwich store is making my mouth water. My personal favorite's the turkey bacon wrap, and I can't leave without buying their homemade strawberry cookie. If you haven't tried these, you are missing out. Now, they have all different options for sandwiches, wraps, salads, desserts, soups, so swing by. I promise you'll thank me.